We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. It's the True Faith Newcastle United podcast. Newcastle beat Manchester United by a goal to nil at St. James's Park on Saturday night. They couldn't give us a game. It was like playing at times a team from the lower league. Such was Newcastle's dominance in the 1-0 victory at St. James's. I'm Alex. I have Sai, Charlotte and Sam Danning here to talk to you about what happened and why. A couple of notices from me. We have a live podcast to celebrate this win and many others at the Stand Comedy Club on Tuesday coming uh, there are tickets on sale still. There was going to be lots and lots of people there. Come and join us. We'd love to have you along. Link in the description to this podcast. And also we're on Patreon. It's between three and eight pounds a month. We have got so much to cover for this fixture and the games coming up. It doesn't stop in December for Newcastle United who play every single midweek available pretty much until Christmas. So come and join us on that. We'd love to have you along. Sai, you were absolutely buzzing. I watched the match with you. Uh, even though it was 1-0 to Newcastle, that did not reflect the dominance of the home side over the away side, what are your initial thoughts? Exactly that, exactly that. The, the, the uh, result didn't really match the occasion in terms of how well we played and how big a win that felt. Now, um, beating Man U at home is always a big thing. You know, I, we, we love to do it. I love it when we beat them. Uh, Very yeah. good. Thanks, thanks. <laughs> um, but no, seriously, like, uh, it, it still feels big. I know Man United are this bad side and we often say that it's, it's one Both of those... Both in the league, though. Yeah, Both exactly, exactly, yeah. exactly. Uh, they're still one of our rivals for the top four. It's still a huge, huge thing to beat them at home. Again, um, I was amazed that they came to St. James's Park and kind of gave us the almost the, the Crystal Palace, the, the, the Bournemouth treatment. They, they were trying so hard, basically, to draw with us. And that's such a big compliment to Eddie Howe and his team. They were terrified of us and... To, to, to do that and then still concede four or five, you know, we, we should have scored four or five goals. You know, the, the chances we created were brilliant. The performance is brilliant. Uh, we're going to get into every single player, I'm sure. I don't think we can, we're going to have time to talk about every single individual player who played well today. But um, yeah, I've, I've, I came out of St. James's Park, probably, as you can tell by my voice, uh, <laughs> sung into the night uh, in Barlow, going to the establishments. Um, yeah. Um, great night. Great night. It's not that they came for a draw. They came for a nil-nil draw. Yeah, they yeah. didn't even try. Like when they got the when they got the ball on the counter, they just looked like, oh no, we've got the. I don't want this. They, they couldn't cope with with Newcastle yesterday. And this is a Newcastle that has been in Paris midweek. This is a Newcastle. Yes, okay. Man U's been at Galatasaray. Man U has a, a lot more depth and 
and we can kind of talk to that Ten Hag said after the game well it's not fair is it because Newcastle played on Tuesday and we played on Wednesday and we played on Sunday and, and they played on Saturday but so we've had to rotate it's like we we sorry Eric we can't rotate like we we don't have any other players to play um this is the 11 we didn't make substitutions in Paris we made one yesterday in extra in the nine minutes of extra time that we got given which is Matt Ritchie yeah which is Matt, it's not as if it's bringing on like a yeah like a 60 million pound summer signing is it I it, and and to sort of to watch the the tenacity and the um the, the 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 drive that our team has Manchester United did not bring anything like that drive they just looked they they, they looked um disengaged with with their whole team they didn't look cohesive they looked disjointed and we looked at the, the polar opposite of that the entire game it is such a shame that we weren't three or four up by half time because we really should have been there were some really lovely chances um that we just couldn't turn into goals um but it was, yeah, it was, it was an absolutely massive win. It, it feels like more than just a 1-0 for me. Yeah, but come on. They did have to spend three hours on a coach after that flight true. was cancelled. Oh, I forgot about that. They, they had Poor to Im- implement their contingency plan and whatever it was. <laughs> it, Walk. The difference, I think, now is that... So I, I go back to when we beat Manchester United, a 3-0 for early in the new year, that could buy a free kick. And mm. To win those kind of games previously it had to be our very best day and it was one of those kind of blood and thunder like everything goes our way we're sliding in getting in the crowds getting really up for it so it's performing above the level now it was just controlled like yesterday it was all at our own pace it wasn't that intense because it didn't need to be and we're good enough to realize well actually we need to conserve a bit of energy we've had all these games we've got games coming up and actually we can just control the game. And that is so different to what we've seen, certainly in the last decade or so. It's a million miles away. It was so pleasing. It was so comfortable. Yes, they aren't great. Uh, but credit to our lads because they just played it perfectly. This is a serious, serious football team, Newcastle United. This is, this is we all think we're class. This podcast thinks we're class. Lots of you listen probably think we're class. But, 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 but I feel like we have to expand on that a little bit because Newcastle's home form is so good this season. Uh, it's eight wins now, seven in a row domestically, uh, one goal conceded in that period, which is a direct free kick, so nothing from open play. Mm. And, you know, Newcastle, Newcastle are 25-5 at home this season on aggregate scores, 25 goals scored, five conceded against all opponents. That's, this, is, this is a good side. This is a, this, is, this is a good result for Manchester United. I genuinely think that I think if you're Manchester United, coming up here, getting out, yeah, they're, they're not going to be happy, they're not going to be pleased, but but there was no you know like Charlotte you just alluded to there about about the way their players handled the defeat and you know they're, they're okay with it. It's it's not a bad result coming to Newcastle now and losing one. Now that's how good we are, and that speaks a little bit about them. But if you're if you're not a title chasing side coming to St James's Park and only losing by one, that's okay. It's not good, but that's okay, and that speaks to the strength that this side have. Injuries, no injuries. The week they've had Charlotte, you want to talk about this? I know it's just I think it's got to be one of Eddie Howe's best weeks in football considering the adversity laid in front of him. Yeah, I think I think you know we've got we've we've talked and talked and talked <sighs> about the injury crisis. Bless you Simon. Um we we've talked and talked and talked about that. We've got 
we are we have an inability to to make substitutions by and large like that are going to influence the game you know manchester united very very briefly came back into it not really but like they were able to put on fresh legs and and at least drive at the goal for the last sort of 15 minutes you can't do anything with that but we couldn't we couldn't do that we we had to use the the players that we have on the pitch and then also matt ritchie and and this has been this is like chelsea going to Paris and then Manchester United. These are not small games. These are absolutely massive games. They mean an incredible amount to this club. This is a club that wants to compete. This is a club that wants to to show that it belongs in those European competitions, in that conversation about the title race. And we did that emphatically over the past seven days. Like Chelsea, comfortable. PSG, like a little bit less comfortable, but really we should have won. Like there was a scandalous amount of extra time and a really shit penalty decision. Um, comfortable win yesterday should have been more. Like th- this is with quote unquote the bare bones of our team and the flags put up a display yesterday, which was um, which was we will not surrender. Um, uh, and an Ed- it's an Eddie Howe quote and then an Eddie Howe um, uh, a pit flag. But you, you sort of think oh aren't we dramatic isn't that dramatic but it's not that is that that is the mentality isn't it that is the that is the feeling in the club like okay we're down to the bare bones of a side um let's fucking do it and we did and it and it and it cements us i think you're right we're a serious football club i think sam's point about controlling the game is, is a really good one as well like it, it, it wasn't just that we were working really hard to win the game it really felt like we, we just we just made it impossible for Man United to do anything. You're right, they kind of had to because they were losing. They, mm. they, they threw everything at it, threw Anthony on, threw, um, I don't even know who else came on. I, I, so little impressed was I by this Man United side. <laughs> I can't remember who else they brought on, but they, they, they had a little bit of a go, but it really didn't feel like, at no point did I feel like they were going to score. And I know they did get the ball in the net with their one shot on target, but Harry Maguire just being in the way is, is a hilarious way for that to go. But that would have been one of the great injustices of yeah. football if they had scored that goal. And it's no way the point, you know, it would have been one of the flukiest points a team has ever, ever taken in a game of football such was how controlled in the game I don't think they had any of the shots I don't think keeper either keeper had to make a save um in in the whole game they just they just weren't in in the football match and for as we keep saying after the week we've had I know they've had European travels as well but for us to be able to keep doing that when everyone's worrying about when when are we going to hit that kind of brick wall again in terms of fatigue Mm. you thought it was going to be tonight you thought you know after after the week we'd have we might struggle but towards the end of that game we were in control we weren't getting leggy they were Mm. I think I think Newcastle deserve a lot of credit for facing three opponents this week who all came into the fixtures in good nick. Uh, Chelsea were back, four goals against, had just beaten Spurs, had just uh, scored four against Manchester City, no problem. PSG had won many, you know, they lost twice at home in two years. You could tell from their performance they just expected to win that game. Yeah. And Manchester United coming off the back of four straight Premier League away wins, uh, more points um, at this stage of the season for, for quite a few years despite the, the pressure on their manager and all three of those games but you know let's look back towards uh, look let's back at Arsenal as well people keep looking at the opposition in these fixtures thinking oh they were bad you know there is a theme here yeah you know Arsenal came to St James's Park didn't create a chance there's a reason for it uh, Man City barely created a chance in the League Cup when they were here obviously Palace and Burnley and Brentford hardly had a shot and then Chelsea last week have kind of won one or two chances. Nick Pope makes a good save. And then Manchester United create nothing yesterday. We are, I think, in the wider football world going to have to accept this is just what happens when you come to St. James Park. If you are even in the game, if you are creating chances, you're doing very, very well indeed. There is not a harder, or maybe there are a couple of harder places to go in terms of Anfield or 
yes, they had basically the top three, but Newcastle United are in that conversation for just being really, really, really good at home in particular. And their home form is such as that if they can start to replicate anything like that away from home, they will be competing not just for the top four, but but higher. So good are they at home. And one of the pleasing things about yesterday that you've all kind of touched on a little bit is just the, the, the nature of the opposition. It's three wins in a row against Manchester United for the first time since 1922. But it's not just that stat about beating them. It's the manner of those victories. None of those games were remotely close. And in mm. fact, despite the scoreline only being one yesterday, it was probably the most dominant would be in Afield yeah. and all in all three of those fixtures. And we have been dominant in every single one. So Newcastle are just a better side than Manchester United. They're a better defensive side. They're a better offensive side. They're better. They have a better manager. They definitely have a better assistant manager. That's that's not funny. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's hilarious seeing Steve McLaren just kind of wander out under the touchline. Yesterday. No one, no one is like, isn't even touched on anyone that used to be the manager here. It's just an irrelevance. Uh, but Newcastle were absolutely brilliant yesterday and, and well worth their win. You can't underestimate either the substitutions point because football these days is not an eleven-player game. Like you said, it was Anthony that came on. And then it was Hoyland as well. So you've got yeah. two 60, 70 million pound forward and forwards coming on. And our plans previously with Howard, there's often substitutions, double subs are pretty common these days. You don't tend to just bring on one sub. Mm. So actually to, to go into all three games, knowing really you can only use the 11. I think Richie came on after 80 minutes against Chelsea, but that's it. That's yeah. the only sub inside normal time apart from keepers. So Howard's had to completely change the game plan in terms of energy and what you're doing. And for the players to to stick to that and do that and come up with these free results culminating yesterday, like it, it shouldn't be underplayed. We'll leave it there for part one of the show. Uh, there's some adverts coming up if you want to listen to this podcast entirely advertisement-free or even with me referencing them. Uh, it's only £3 a month on our Patreon platform. Uh, sign up, link in the description. We'll be back after these. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. To start part two of the show, I think we have to talk about Newcastle's flying right back, but who is playing left back at the minute, and that's Tino Livermento. Who is Charlotte? People kind of forget that 
he's so young. He is such a young footballer. Because we've got an even younger footballer, it gets lost. What a performance from a 21-year-old lad. Yeah, it's nuts, isn't it? Lewis Miley's the story because Lewis Miley's only 17 and should be doing his A-levels and not playing in really well in Champions League level football. Um, but Tino Livramento is only 21. It's it's absolutely nuts. Sai said to me in the in the lift on the way up to our office, um, I'm scared of how good he is. I'm scared of how good he is. And I, like, I agree, he's... The, the skill and the um, the sort of confidence on the ball that he shows, the, the the coolness that he has on the pitch, it's it's almost, for me, it's a little bit Isaki. Um, he has a very balletic way of moving the ball. He, he we, we were talking about this, he kind of skips with it. Um, and, and it just like moves through, moves across the pitch. So not not down the pitch, but across the pitch in, in just this incredibly... Um, assured way no one touches him no one goes near him and it's not just man united who were who was sort of happy to give us a lot of space yesterday um it's other teams as well it's you know it's it's against teams like paris who he just he can just he, he just do it all and he's also paying in left back where he wasn't bought he wasn't bought to be a left back he was bought to be a right back and i think that can't be underestimated either he has seamlessly slotted in um into a position that yeah okay he's probably you know fairly comfortable in any way but isn't his natural position and I think we've got a big conversation and we'll probably have that conversation on Patreon etc about when you know Dan Burns fit and how how does he how does he fit into this because Eddie Howe's a very loyal kind of manager and if it's working he doesn't tend to shake things up too much so but what a player I, I think there was a lot we talked a lot about why have we bought him? We're thinking about the future. We shouldn't be thinking about the future. We should be thinking about the now. We had that conversation only about two months ago on this podcast. And and now it seems like, oh no, we did buy him for now. We <laughs> bought him for absolutely now. And he is unreal. That humble pie is getting bigger and bigger <laughs> and bigger. Yeah, um, yeah I, I, I said to Alex during the game, like uh, just on, on Marcus Rashford, I've never seen a player look so gooded that the fullback that he's up against was just too good for him because he's he's got everything Livermento. He's got absolutely everything. He's brilliant going forward. His touch is unreal. Yeah. I, you'd be forgiven for not knowing which foot he is because he's so comfortable on either foot. So that, that's why he can play left back, but he doesn't need to go one side. He, he can do anything. But he's a really, really good fullback. He's a really good defender. He cuts out balls. He's, he reads the game really well. He covers for his teammates. He makes clearances. He just He's scary because I don't know where this ends. Like he's, he's one of the best young footballers I've ever seen certainly one of the best young footballers in this country and it's just it's amazing that we have him and I continue to be a little bit frustrated that we didn't see more of him sooner but maybe maybe there was a, a method in that maybe it was about getting him up to the levels because he certainly is at the levels now but my god um, I feel like his ceiling just doesn't exist he's going to be he's going to be one of England's best fullbacks for years to come a hundred percent. I think, uh, like, I kind of like how he get Eddie Howe does this with certain really excellent players, like drops them in here and there, and we don't see loads of them before their time. And then their time comes and it's just like, holy shit, that, yeah. that player's unreal. It's also worth noting that Livermento, a lot of the question marks around his price tag were because he'd had a really serious injury last season, he, a, a cruciate injury. Yeah. And... Um, and he's coming back from that and coming back from that to like be at the level he's at already is just ridiculous to me. Um, normally it would take a, a, a good player a longer time to get up to the standard that he is. But it, you've got to assume there's more to come as well, which is just unreal. 
Yeah, and but for that injury, he'd be an England regular already. Like yeah. If he hadn't had that injury, actually, we'd have been play, paying a lot more money. He's probably unattain, unobtainable for us. I, I just love the way he moves. The, the closest I, example I can give is like a slalom skier. The way he just kind yeah. of goes in, in and out, and it's so graceful that he's moving at such speed. But if mm. you just looked at it, you wouldn't realise how quickly he is moving because player like, I don't know, pace, someone like Gabriel Oberton, right, quick, but th- can't use it. Mm. Whereas Livermento knows exactly when to use his pace, exactly when to use those little bursts to go around the outside of a fullback. And defensively, there's a little bit of Kyle Walker in him in that he knows that he's got the pace to recover. So he can get, he takes a few more risks and he can yeah. give, he shows people and says, go on, you go around the outside of me because you knock it past me, I'm getting there first. And he's got that confidence. And to have someone defensively like that is just such an asset to this side. And I'm not so sure it is a conversation about Dan Byrne when he comes back. I think it's a pretty clear cut yeah. one, but that's for, that's for later on. It's hard, isn't it? Because you don't want to, like, w- w- he's been an integral part of this side and getting us to where we are, Dan Byrne, but... Well, this, is what, this is what good teams with good squads do. If you're out the side, you might be out the side for a hell of a long time. If the team, the player that comes in replaces you and does well as Livermento has done. I think one of the, 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 the key things for the whole team and for Eddie Howe is that Newcastle now have two players on the left side of defence who are very right-footed. The, the balance hasn't been shifted. Newcastle have coped with that. You've got, of course, Anthony Gordon further forward, also right-footed. Most teams couldn't cope with that. And, and you know, Jamal Lascelles has had a lot of praise. Probably not going to have time to talk about in this podcast, but the fact that he's been able to slot in at right centre-back, despite, again, the rest of the back four, or the whole back four being right-footed, many, many teams wouldn't be able to cope with that, or there would at least be some sort of drop-off in performance or defensive organisation. Newcastle haven't lost a thing. In fact, they've gained, like you guys have just said, from Livermento coming in. Fabian Charles put in his best performances of the season, mm. playing at left centre-back despite being a right-footer and again was brilliant yesterday on the ball. So, you know, any time there's a, a problem for how EA uh, makes the right decision because he, he could have played Hall, uh, you know, uh, he, he couldn't against Chelsea and Livermento does great, so that kind of solves that one for him. But Newcastle, in general just look like a really balanced, good football team. And that's despite huge injuries. And it's despite someone like Dan Byrne, who was an integral part of the joint best defence of the Premier League last season, dropping out. It's one of those injuries that was really unfortunate, but Newcastle just seems to have gained a little bit, like you said, Charlotte. The fact that Livermento forces Rashford back so often yesterday yeah. means that Rashford gets more frustrated, he gets less of the ball, he has to run back more. If Dan Byrne plays, that just doesn't happen. And I'm not saying it wouldn't happen at all, but it certainly, you know, Marcus Rashford has to spend a lot less time worrying about what's behind him if he does play. He he has to track back, but he be, he gave up. Yeah. Rashford gave up yesterday. He knew he couldn't keep up with Livermento. Turning round, he's gone. Like he just he, he couldn't do it. And and when he got subbed off, he was he was pissed off. He threw his gloves to the ground and and barely touched Ten Hag's hand or whatever. Like this is it's it's fun to watch them fall apart. So I'm I'm enjoying that. But he just he couldn't. He gave up yesterday against Livermento. He couldn't do it. I want to talk about Anthony Gordon, and that's four successive home league games that Gordon has scored in, which is the first time for Newcastle player since Alan Shearer, uh, I think in 1999, possibly or, 19, or 2000, but lo- a long time ago, nonetheless, four goals in a row at home for Gordon. The guy is on fire, I think is that seven for the season, obscene uh, figures. These are elite football figures in that position in this league at this level. And uh, one of the most pleasing things, about two pleasing things about it, number one, um, Yesterday, there was a clear directive from Eddie Howe for Gordon to be central. Don't hug the touchline when Tino's going forward. 
get in the box. We need bodies in the box. We need men. We need to occupy Manchester United's um, back back line. And first half, me inside the conversation that Gordon wasn't in the game as much as he has been in recent games. And it was it's one of those strange ones where you're like, Eddie Howe does know what he's doing, but surely we need you know Livermore was having such joy that if he has an overla- overlapping winger, you know Man United will really struggle to cope with that. What happens? Gordon scores the goal in the six yard box, pretty much absolute perfect plan by Eddie Howe, overload the penalty area, have Gordon coming at the back post, works a treat, something they clearly worked on. And the goal is very pleasing for lots of reasons. We win the ball high up the pitch. Um, Anana's involved, which is funny. <laughs> um, and the fact that I love Bruno's pass is brilliant to change direction. Mm-hmm. But what's brilliant and the reason the goal goes in is Anthony Gordon makes his run before Kieran Trippier receives the ball. As soon as, as, soon as Bruno makes that pass... Gordon in his head, I'm in here. And the, the ability to see what's going to happen is brilliant. But also that is that goal, I, I imagine, has been worked on over and over again in training. And Arouan Masaka cost £50 million plus and had a tough game yesterday, but I don't think it was a disaster by any means. The reason Anthony Gordon is an elite footballer at this level is that run. It's not the finish. It's none of the things in the game. It's that ability to know what's going to be in, in the happen in the penalty box make the run, tap in, it doesn't happen. Most footballers don't make that run at that moment. If he, if Gordon doesn't see what is going to happen before it happens, Bissaka clears that ball because he's waiting for Gordon to make the run and it's just football at the absolute highest level and it's almost something like an elite striker would do and this is how good Anthony Gordon is. Fantastic, fantastic performance yesterday from him. I'm just going to jump in and say, while we're talking about age, Anthony Gordon's only 22. (laughs) Like, these are very young players. These are very young players demonstrating absolute excellence. There is so much more to come. There is so much more to come, and it's really exciting. He does does kind of... uh, He was quiet yesterday in in terms of... uh, overall involvement in the game but um he does still put like the fear in the fullbacks when he does get the ball with his face to goal and he runs at them like Wambasaka had a all right game he did, he's handling reasonably well other than letting him get random for the for the goal but um he still gets down and, and t- defenders don't commit they're terrified when he's running them. they just kind of back off and back off because they don't want to commit because if he, if they let him slip past them for half a second he's mm-hmm. in and um, because he does get in behind and there was a couple of times he cuts it back and we really should have scored more goals. I mean, there was, there was lots of chances. I think Gordon was probably involved in more of them than we realised, but we just was, um, we're so used to um, him. What, what, early on in the season, it felt like he was our only outlet and everything was going through Gordon, whereas now we've got threats across the park. You don't. He's still doing all that work. He's still doing all those runs. You just don't notice it because everyone else has kind of brought themselves up to his level in terms of where we were a few weeks back. Joe Linton. Joe Linton. I mean, there's not... Lots that I'm going to say about him that we haven't been saying in the last about the last few games. But Joe Linton's like physical presence, his domination on the ball, what he the fear that he puts into his opposition. It was just it was all there yesterday. Norman and I were chatting after the game, and Norman said like also the shit housing yesterday for Joe mm. Linton was at an all time high, and he was absolutely right. He he was pissing off Fernandez. He was getting inside the heads of anybody that was coming close to him, and uh, and and you know that, that's what ultimately leads to yellow cards and things like that. He obviously got one himself, but that's Joe Linton, isn't it? Um, I just love watching him play. I love seeing how he um, physically like takes up space, how he moves himself. He makes himself enormously wide whenever he's got the ball. So anybody that's coming up from behind him just can't get round him because he's suddenly two people wide. He's, he's, 
his ability to do that and then control the ball, get it to Bruno, get it to get it to anyone else. It, it's just it is something to behold. And and I, it's a special shout out today because of all the shithousery, because of all of the pissing everybody off. Um, that's the Joe Linton we like. We didn't see that for so long. There's lots of things we didn't see in Joe Linton for so long. But what I love so much about his renaissance and his his sort of rebirth is that is this um, spicy little angry guy who or giant angry guy who really, really pisses off the opponent. That's what I really want to see. You and I talked about or we've all talked about how um, teams as they elevate, as you get into that level of, of sort of excellence. Yes, it's reading the game like Anthony Gordon, but it's also being able to 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 piss off your opponent to be a, a domineering aggressive force and nobody typifies that like Joe Linton for me it's controlled anger as well yeah. that's what he's brilliant at you don't get it's quite rare to find a player who's got that edge but who isn't usually at risk of tipping over themselves whereas Joe Linton seems to know exactly he knows exactly what he's doing and he, he thrives off that anger. He he plays better. Like it's what motivates him and he's he's getting into all this kind of screaming at the crowd, which I, I'm all a bit, kind of a bit hit and miss with that kind of stuff. I think players do it too much, but he knows exactly what he's doing, but he can also, he has this switch where he goes, okay, yeah, I'm not going to get myself in trouble. I'm mm-hmm. just going to get someone else in trouble, which is very rare to find someone who can be angry and control it. That's growth as well for him because initially he wasn't, when he first started letting his anger kind of come out on the pitch or letting this personality, you know, everybody's got a stage presence. Should we call it aggression rather than anger? (laughs) He's this angry man. (laughs) He might be angry. I don't know. Yeah, okay, aggression. (laughs) It's an outlet. I'm okay with it. But when he first started, you know, a couple of seasons ago, allowing this aggression or allowing this side of him to come out on the pitch, which we hadn't really seen before because he was so lost as a player. Um... There were, the, the, he hadn't quite got that balance. He ha- like we saw a lot of um, yellows. Um, we saw was it a red at Tottenham, um, or was it a yellow? Anyway, um, he, he he wasn't as good at controlling that side of him, and he's he's grown into that. And so have the other players, but he has he he can pull it back now. He has that self knowledge. He knows what he's doing. He's in control of it. It's I just love seeing him continue to develop. There are very few players in this league who can do all of the things that you guys have just talked about there and then also do the step over cross, um, which Mayan is very unfortunate not to score from. Mm. A couple of real moments robbed from us yesterday. Um, Trippier's free kick would have been yeah. so uh, similar to Kabai's same corner if it had mm. gone in. And uh, really, you know, Trippier's hit the ball twice in the last two two league games of free kicks, so that could have been two goals. And then Mayan again, it did look like it could be handball. But yeah, the the Linton aspect of that was absolutely tremendous in terms of just being able to that, that kind of that pace, the ability to deliver the ball. Again, very few players in the league can actually put it all together. The defensive, the offensive, it's a it's a special talent that that Joe Linton is. I want to talk about Bruno really quickly for the to finish this part. I just think he came out yesterday in an interview saying basically last season for three or four months he was carrying a really bad ankle injury, pain. and we all we all we all know that. I think. You know, there was discussions at the time, in fact, discussions at the start of this season. He's, you know, some people are saying he's he's kind of been found out in the Premier League a little bit. I don't think so. I don't think so at all. I think that Bruno Gamaris is, is an elite midfielder at this level. He runs, he's run games for Newcastle against top, top opponents. And the thing about Bruno at the minute for me is, what does he do that he doesn't want to? Very little. Players don't force him back when he doesn't want to go back. He doesn't get dispossessed anymore. Mm-hmm. Um, he... 
you know, hit some of the balls he played yesterday. I mean, the ball for for Almiron, mm. uh, which which eventually forced a save, I think, from Anana was was just kind of world class. He's, he's back to being a midfielder who I think, if he's still here in two or three years, Newcastle will have won something major because he's that good. And Manchester United knew that Bruno was going to be the focal point yesterday. McTominay in particular was kind of uh, tasked, I think, with his getting in his face, and Bruno just touched the ball around and moved past him played one twos it was just it was just also so easy and effortless I'm sure it wasn't those things but that's what it looked like and yeah this guy if we can keep him fit for the rest of the season if he plays 38 games or 35 games even this season I feel like Newcastle United are going to be um at the serious end of the league because that's how good he is I feel like um just to bring Lewis Smiley into the conversation as well he's learning how, how easy it is to play with Bruno as your kind of next next door neighbor in midfield like He's growing in confidence in terms of playing more positively. I think Miley's come into the team and done all the simple stuff really well. He keeps the ball, he keeps the ball moving. He plays quite conservative passes, but it's always accurate and his pass completion is really good. Yesterday, I thought he took that up another level. Uh, he, was, he was confident enough to kind of play one-twos with Bruno and then make those runs because he knows he's going to get the ball back perfectly. And it was seeing those three midfield. I mean, I... I, it pains me to say this, but I don't know who comes back into that midfield, and you know why I'm saying that. But um, they just look so in sync already, and that that's probably compliment to Bruno more than anything else because he just raises everyone around him's game. Because you just know whatever you, he does, that pass is going to make it to you. So you make the run, you don't think, oh, you might get you might get dispossessed. I'll just hang back here. Everyone's making those runs. Everyone's moving into space because they know he'll come out on the other side of it, and then we're away. And it's the, that confidence in your teammates that you can see across the field that really showed in the entire display that we. We put on yesterday we'll leave it there for part two back after some more adverts for part three speak to you then with threats to our nation waiting around every corner adaptability is more important than ever when conditions change without notice quick strategic thinking is crucial and with obstacles consistently impending determination is essential in overcoming them it's this willingness decisiveness and resilience that sets marines apart with our fighting spirit we don't just fight battles we win them Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. It's part three of the show. Let's talk about Newcastle United and, and where this le- win leaves them after, a, 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 we've said it already, but a, a quite ridiculous week. It should have been three wins. It was two wins and a draw. Difficult fixtures, all better resourced sides than, than Eddie Howe, and that's before you get into the injury list. You've got a 17-year-old playing, you know, should 17-year-olds be playing three games of football in a week? I don't know. I do now because he did yes. it and it was fine <laughs> and it was easy. And he did, like one of you said earlier, Miami didn't look tired at the end of games. He didn't look tired at the at the end of yesterday. And I wasn't and very tired when I was 17 though. <laughs> you weren't playing. More energy. Yeah. <laughs> three games of football a week. I played netball every now and then though. <laughs> and, and, you know, Newcastle's season is, is perfectly poised. We have a chance of progression to the second round of the Champions League or the Europa League uh, when the... League Cup quarterfinal. We are currently two points behind Liverpool and a couple of teams like that have games in hand and isn't that okay? Uh, if they win them, which they probably will because they're good sides and that's what they do every week in the Premier League. But I just feel, and I'll open this to, to any of you, I just feel like, you know, I, I was shocked you all. I was a big Eddie Howe fan before this season. <laughs> like the guy, done a great job. 
But even for him, considering what what has been thrown at the club this season, and there's been there's been a lot to be fair. It's not just injuries. There's been you know Sandra Tonali stuff. There's been all sorts going on, and I just feel like to to even be in contention where they are of the top four in the Premier League of those cup competitions I talked about, I just I just feel like it couldn't be going any better at the minute in terms of the circumstances thrown at us. I would have been okay if our form had dropped off a little bit because of all of the injuries and whatever else is going on to Nali, other things going on at the club, there's all lawsuits and random stuff that seems to crop up every now and then. The, the Premier League trying to change the rules every the, week. The, the big rule change that they tried to do just exactly. literally in the middle of the season, which I just think is mental. Um I, I I expect I actually expected us to maybe struggle a little bit. I expected this period up till Christmas to be a real uphill battle. And yeah, okay, we've still got a lot of games to play and it may be that it is more of an uphill battle. But I did not expect us to be where we are now. I didn't expect us to have put in the displays that we put against Chelsea, PSG and now Man United. Um I I I can't sort of sing their praises enough. I can't like the mental fortitude that it has taken Eddie Howe, Jason Tindall and this team to kind of produce performances like that to kind of look at adversity a significant adversity because what 15 14 um of our players now have injuries or something like that something stupid like that um that is not insignificant that is a really really difficult thing to deal with Uh, additionally a couple of those players are the new signings that we have brought in to strengthen our game to play in the champions league to offer us something else and we just didn't have it so the creativity that they've shown to to work with what we've got to um to come up with a different game plan um i mean i I didn't expect it um maybe that's just the cynic in me but i am absolutely delighted with how it's gone i think what's really interesting about uh because i i I was the same I, i would have absolutely understood if we'd lost one of these games against chelsea and man united and i think most people would have said you know if we'd won one lost one or won one drawn one that would have been absolutely fine but what we've what Eddie Howe has done here, and I'm starting to understand it a bit more, uh, because you could argue that he's, he's ran the, the players in the ground, same 11, no subs for the three games. What comes next, it's going to be tough, but I'm starting to understand the mentality now because the likes of Isaac needed minutes. He's, he's now looking sharper each game. Um, we've got the points on the board now, so we don't go to Everton under any pressure. Uh, whereas if he'd kind of been a bit more conservative in these games and kind of ma- managed those a bit differently and or rotated, dare I say it, with, with bare-bones squad players... It could have been different. Then we go to Everton needing to win, but all, still tired. So what's the point? I, I kind of get it now that he's just he's just gone a bit gung-ho in these three fixtures. Won two of them, should have won three, like you say. And then we've got the games ahead where, yes, the lads might be starting to get a bit leggy, but also we've got players coming back from injury, hopefully in the next few weeks. So he's kind of got it just right. Let's just go for it until we can't anymore because if you get to Spurs and you've just won the last three and then you don't win, well, that's okay. Whereas if you'd kind of drawn one of the Chelsea and Man U games to give yourself a slightly better chance of, of winning one of those future games, it's still really hard. Um, I just kind of get it now. I, I kind of get why we're doing this. you just got to keep going until you can't, and that's the Eddie Howe mentality, and I love it. I'm just, yeah, I'm an idiot for, for doubting it at any point. <laughs> Me too. Idiots together. So, I mean, essentially, you have you have Bournemouth away, and you have kind of West Ham and Wolves and Liverpool. You know, any of those games could have led to, uh, you know, questions or a change a change of approach or... Particularly that Bournemouth game was—it was kind of such a comprehensive defeat. Newcastle just weren't in that game at all and should have lost by more. Really, the the beauty of these defeats now, if I can use that word, is that 
you just know it's going to be okay. It's yeah. okay. But, you know, we need, we need a bit of a breather after Bournemouth. We need two weeks on the training ground for the players who, who didn't go in international duty. And that's another thing. We've talked about three games in a week and not making changes. Bruno and, and other players were across the world playing football for their international sides. So the, the fitness levels are, are obscene at Newcastle United. And there's just a kind of general consistent approach and a real accountability culture. So after Bournemouth, whilst there was reasons given for the defeat you know Newcastle didn't go into Chelsea at home or, or Howard didn't go to Chelsea home basically saying oh, yeah bare bones here lads we'll do really well Chelsea are really good you know it was nowhere back we've got a job to do everyone knows their role Lewis Miley's going to get thrown at the deep end he's going to be okay and it's just a it's just a real privilege to support that kind of attitude and that kind of culture because I think that there are there are many clubs in the Premier League Eric Ten Hag at Manchester United being one Charlotte when he referenced earlier that He's pre-game talking about advantages that Newcastle, the barest of advantages, we're talking like not even 24 hours in some cases, you know, the supposed advantages. You know, Eric Ten Hag, like we said earlier, had, you know, £300 million worth of footballers on the bench. We didn't. Um, Newcastle lose their goalkeeper yesterday and they, you know, it could have, it could have been the catalyst for disaster. It could have been the catalyst for complaint. It was none of those things. Uh, Newcastle just roll with the punches and they've had... Plenty of punches this season. And Sam, you want to talk about the goalkeeper quickly? Yeah, I mean, look, Nick Pope is a brilliant shot stopper. He is a very, very good goalkeeper. But of all, no one wants to see him get injured. But I have, and I know it's being picky because he's got us a point in Milan. He was excellent against PSG. But there was there was stuff last week about why he's not in the England squad and no one no one really knows. I can't, I can't understand. There's been no fallout, but Southgate just hasn't called him. But he can't kick a football. Like that's the reason why, and that is so much part of modern goalkeeping. And it's not you have to be Pele or Zidane or anyone like that. But you do have to, under no pressure, be able to put a goal kick somewhere near a centre forward. <laughs> and so, of all the players getting injured, and where we're at, like Dubravka coming in, I'm not too worried about it. Dubravka played against Manchester United, and actually, people went, "Oh yeah, he's actually." quite good he's a proper yeah. Premier League number one when we had him a few dodgy moments but he must have played what 120 130 league games three or four seasons as our number one I think he's better with the it was the ball at his feet which is such a big part of it you can see like Cher looks at Pope and then goes ah yeah turns away I'm not going to pass it back and that is we're picking at hairs but if we're looking at marginal improvements and trying to move the side on if you've got to be ruthless having a goalkeeper who has some ability with the ball at his feet is no bad thing Mm. It's, a, it's a very careful what you wish for thing when you look yeah. at the opposite number one uh, yesterday and he didn't have a bad game on he didn't really do anything funny and he was, he was getting a lot of um, sort of pressure from the crowd when he had the ball at his feet but that is the only thing he can do he's actually decent with his feet and he can he can turn and, and play the ball but um, normally the, the Guardian called it horrible the castle's <laughs> fans treatment of Anana was horrible <laughs> It's, yeah, fu- it's funny and necessary <laughs> but also it was as if that was going to affect the one thing he is actually brilliant at yeah. is the ball at his feet so yeah. he's not worried about Newcastle fans getting on him when he's got the ball at his feet that's what he wants to do he doesn't want to use his hands he only wants to use his feet yeah. and he's brilliant yeah. at he it often, really he often chooses not to use his hands mm-hmm. so it's first, the Guardian person's first football game well that's <laughs> not very nice is it <laughs> They were, they were booing. They were making all these noises. <laughs> calling him a dodgy keeper. Well, that was great, isn't that? An old school chant to get a bit of dodgy keeper out is wonderful. Um, yeah, I, I'm gutted to lose Nick Pope. I'm gutted to lose Nick Pope. I'm gutted to lose Nick Pope to what is now the second shoulder dislocation in our season. Third in theory. Yeah. Jacob's done it twice. Like, what the, what the hell? Why is that happening? Yeah. Um, 
it's a really weird injury. I thought it collided with the post as Norman and I were chatting after, and he was like, no, no, it's the way he fell. And then Eddie Howe said after, like, his arm just kept going because of how moist the ground was, which made me feel sick. Um, <laughs> but it's a really unfortunate injury. You know, he goes straight down the tunnel, you know it's serious. Um, but Dubravka is a good goalkeeper. I don't think he's as good as Nick Pope. Nick Pope's... Um, distribution with his with his feet is, isn't very good we know that it's not the best ever but as a shot stopper and as a man who can pluck the ball out of thin air he is excellent Dubravka is not as good at doing that but he is good and with the back line that we've got I'm not worried about having Dubravka it's not like Carius has to come in for us who of course we all got behind for the cup final but is nobody's first or second choice goalkeeper so Dubravka is not not a bad uh uh what's the word I want? Substitution. Well, you know, he's not bad. I'm gutted that Nick Pope's gone. I'm gutted that we've added to this mad injury roster, but it's okay. I think distribution isn't something we currently need because we've right. got back four who are so competent with the ball at their feet like Cher. Even Lascelles, I'd say it looks worlds away from what you once did where you were terrified of him having the ball at his feet. You look competent. You can, you can pick a pass. You can do the right thing. Trippier and Livermore at either side. Uh, we don't tend to go long from goal kicks or from the goalkeeper. We, we play it out. So, um, for now, it's not really an issue. It might be, like you say, if we want to get to the, the Manchester City or the Liverpool level, you do maybe need to keep it who can contribute a bit more in that way. But right now, we just need the best shot stopper we can get. And Nick Pope and Dubravka aren't a bad pair to have in that regard. We're going to leave it there for this week. Uh, thanks so much for, to, you, to you guys for taking part in this. And thanks to everybody for who watches and listens. There'll be one of these. It won't be us, uh, Charlotte, Cy and I, uh, after Everton away, because it's our True Faith Christmas party that night. So we're going to watch the game and then Stay out, drink some more, hopefully celebrate, celebrate a, crucial, a big win. crucial away win. But uh, there will be other True Faith podcasters for that one, and then we'll be back after the Spurs game next week. Massive game for Newcastle, that and for Spurs as well. So thanks very much for listening. We're on Patreon, of course, three to eight pounds a month. Come and join us. There's loads more podcasts about this Manchester United game to come as we build up to two crucial Premier League fixtures later this week. Speak to you all soon. Bye-bye. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.